As you may have noticed, there has been an unplanned hiatus of the podcast. Now, this is for a number of reasons, not least of which is the government being shut down. But I've also noticed a number of other ways in which things weren't able to move forward. This has actually been an interesting time for me and my family. We have finished our DTS. We returned home only to find out that we were going to have to be more at home than we expected. A number of things that I thought I would be doing, including podcast episodes, got held up or stopped altogether. And we faced some spiritual warfare that we weren't anticipating. And we realized that in this space, God still had some things that he wanted to train us in, still had some things that he wanted to work us through, still had some things that he wanted to heal us from. So it's been an odd time. But I've done a lot of processing, and this episode is an extension of one of those areas. On February 23rd, Ahmad Arbery was killed. And two months later, a video would surface that would bring national attention to that event. What it would also do was bring up what has been a difficult conversation in our nation from its founding, the topic of race, the topic of racial injustice, the topic of white privilege. And I, as a white man, have been processing all of this, not just over the last week or so, but over my time serving in the Eastern of Richmond and beyond that. I am not an expert. I am not an authority. But... In today's episode, I want to tap into one of the hearts of why this podcast exists, to tell the stories of how God is still at work. And so this episode is going to be a difficult one, one that I have a lot of hesitancy to do. It's going to be an episode where I tell the story of how God revealed the reality of racial injustice to me as a white male. You are listening to episode 43 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And right now, I just want to lift up this time. I feel like you prompted me to record this episode. I feel like you're bringing specific stories to mind. And I also feel tentative about doing this because I want to be honoring to those who are impacted by racial division and injustice daily. I want to be sensitive to that. I, I want to have a level of awareness of who I am and what my role and voice is and isn't. And I want to, to speak only your words. So I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak through me. I pray that whatever it is you want to say, that you would say it. And that you will be known, that truth will be known, and that those who are made in your image would be seen, respected, honored, cared for, fought for. Allah's prayer in holy and precious name. Amen. So as I mentioned before, I am a white male. And growing up, that was not a designation that I would really bring attention to because it's just who I was. I was white and I was a male. I grew up in the country on 10 acres in an area that was predominantly white. Went to schools that were predominantly white. Worked jobs that were predominantly white. Growing up, I knew that things like slavery existed. I knew about the civil rights movement. And I also knew that my peers who were black, I, I got along with and they got along with me. So in my mind, I felt like 
racism was probably done. Racism was probably solved during the civil rights movement. And there was some really hard history, but because I didn't feel any tension um, and they didn't seem to have any tension with me and I had friends who were black, well, then racism must not be a problem. Definitely not a problem for me, but must not be a problem in general because I wasn't seeing the things that the textbooks talked about. And of course, in my young, naive mind, I, I only knew what I knew. <laughs> I only knew what I had experienced and what I had been taught. And I only knew what my very specific context and culture allowed me to understand. After college, I accepted a very unexpected invitation from God to go and serve with an organization called Urban Promise Wilmington. Now, this was a ministry that was doing youth ministries in Wilmington, Delaware, in some of the lower-income neighborhoods and housing projects that were around the city. This is the ministry that I mentioned in episode one that actually framed the entire mindset that led to this podcast. And it was a very transformative time of my life. And I didn't realize then all of the seeds that would be planted. But I remember one very important moment that shaped my understanding of race. In 2006 or 2007, I was invited by the executive director to join him in meeting with somebody who wanted to learn more about the ministry. Now, I can't recall if this was a potential donor, uh, but what I did know is the three of us were all white males. And we were having conversation, talking about what the ministry did. And about midway through, he paused, he looked at us, and then he said, is race still an issue? And I remember I began thinking in a very similar way that I thought growing up. I thought about the relationships I had. I thought about the teenagers that I worked alongside and the kids that came in the camp. And I thought about the ways that we got along well. And I thought about the ways that I didn't see any issues. And so I ran the calculations. And then I responded, no, I, I, I don't think race is as much an issue anymore. And Rob, the executive director, immediately slammed his hand on the table and said, absolutely. It is absolutely still an issue. And he began listing off thing after thing after thing that the teenagers, teenagers that I worked with, had experienced. How they couldn't, couldn't walk through a mall without being watched. How they had been stopped by police. How they, He just listed thing after thing after thing in which, with each thing, I found myself slinking lower and lower in my chair. Because what I realized is I was defining racism based on my experience. Because I didn't experience any issues with racism, because I didn't see anything happening, and because I seemed to get along with those who were black and those who were black seemed to get along with me, that racism wasn't a problem. And I was a fool. Because all around me, teenagers, families, Friends that I cared about were experiencing the impact of racism daily, and I didn't see it. And it broke me because I realized, how could I actually say that I love those teenagers and those friends and those families if I didn't actually understand what they were going through, if I didn't actually see what was happening to them daily, if I thought things were fine? That was a very important moment for me, but that wasn't the moment 
that I suddenly understood everything. And God knew that. And so instead of removing me from what was a predominantly black uh, neighborhood that I'd lived in for two years, he invited me to move into the predominantly black neighborhood of the East End of Richmond. And man, there could be several episodes that dive into (laughs) the ways that God confronted me, challenged me, shifted my mindset. And I want to keep this short so that it is more palatable to those who might not have time to listen to an hour-long episode. But I'll say this. um, There was so much that God had to confront in me, and the way that he wanted to confront it was through long-term relationships. Not simply by reading books and having knowledge, but by developing relationships so that when events happen and impacted those whom I loved, whom I knew, it would hit me in a very different way. It wouldn't hit me in an intellectual way. It would hit me in a way that bypassed my own broken thinking and my own broken understanding that had developed over decades of being in certain contexts and environments. I want to read something that I wrote recently. One, because then it keeps it short. Two, because I already put a lot of thought in the wording. But this captures another really important moment when I was at a promise that planted a seed to alter my understanding of how the world actually works. I wrote this after reflecting on the death of Ahmaud Arbery and reflecting on the many, 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 many stories of those who are black who were killed when they were unarmed and whose stories often get dismissed. I was racially profiled once. It was in 2005. I was working for a ministry that ran summer camps for kids all around the city of Wilmington, Delaware, including the housing projects. One of those communities, Riverside, was more heavily patrolled than others, and officers would often change the direction of streets to weed out any driving through who didn't live there. We hadn't seen one of our kids in a while, so three of us, all white, got in a beat-up ministry van and tried to find her unit. With the street changes, we circled several blocks and made multiple turns, quickly drawing the attention of officers who were tucked on side streets. We found the young lady's home, and as we began to exit the van, we heard the squeal of tires and were immediately surrounded on both sides by police cars. We began questioning why we were in the neighborhood and, not believing me, one officer pulled me back to the van and began kicking my feet apart to search me. At the last moment, another officer stepped up and said, They're good. They're with that ministry. I pointed to my ministry shirt as the officer took his hands off me and stepped back. They got in their cars and left. I know that we were pulled over and confronted because our white skin was not common in that black neighborhood. But, and this is the important thing, I never once feared for my life. I knew I would be fine. I knew they would not harm me. I knew that even if I got cuffed, one quick call would clear us. I did not suffer any trauma after that encounter. Instead, it became one of those crazy stories I could tell. I think of this as I consider how the inverse does not play out anywhere near as well. I have too many friends who were confronted because their skin was deemed too dark for a particular area. I have too many friends who have been harassed by others or confronted by police because their skin color didn't match the other's expectations or triggered their assumptions. While I can tell my story with lightness, I have heard too many stories told with heaviness. 
I wasn't really racially profiled. My skin color didn't put me at risk. Honestly, it was only an issue because people with my skin color choose to avoid and neglect that neighborhood. In the 15 years since that encounter, I have heard too many people assert that people don't judge skin color anymore. And that racism is not really a problem, or more, that people are making it a problem for political gain. I've heard others dismiss stories like Ahmad's and Sandra's and Trayvon's and Michael's and Philando's and Eric's as individual stories that don't prove racism still thrives. They choose not to see the obvious and growing narrative, a narrative that is centuries long. That encounter with the police, where I was misjudged because I looked like I didn't belong, cracked my eyes open to a reality that I never needed to confront before, and honestly, haven't had to confront since. And I know that because I don't have to confront it, I have to choose to listen and engage when others are confronted. I know that what happened to me pales in comparison to what happens to people all around us every day. My account doesn't even register against theirs. And yet, theirs continues to not register to our nation. So if you're listening to my silly story, felt any response to my tiny injustice, listen to the very real stories of injustice from those whose skin is darker. Listen, believe, confront the injustice. Look, I don't know what to say other than how I see the world now is very different than how I saw it five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago. And at every one of those periods in my life, I thought I understood. I thought I understood race and racism at each of those junctures. And I can see now that I didn't. And honestly, it breaks my heart a little bit to think back to those moments in my life and to wonder how did I, because I didn't know then what I know now, how did I dishonor my brothers and sisters? What words could I have used that were disrespectful or dismissive? Or in what ways did I not see them and not love them because I didn't know? And this is the really important thing. I think so many people that look like me are having a hard time with this because they feel attacked. They feel like they're being called racist. The thing is this, I know now that I did not know then. And because I did not know then, I could not have understood and engaged in the way that I should have. And I have to be willing to not just accept that, but to repent of that. Because at, at none of those points did I desire to be overtly racist. At none of those points did I desire to do anything to harm another or to dismiss them. But I cannot say with certainty that I didn't harm or dismiss. There's no point in my life that I wore blackface. There's no point in my life did I say the N-word. Like I can name those kind of things. But I honestly cannot tell you that I did not dishonor or dismiss someone who didn't look like me. I can't. And this is, this is the thing. Like Me being white is not a sin in a, of itself. To be white is not to be evil. But to be white and to dismiss the reality of what whiteness has done throughout history and 
to current day, that's a problem. To be so convinced in my goodness that I refuse to accept that there may be bias within me, that there may be cultural things within me, that there may be experiential things within me that shape how I view another because of their skin color, to dismiss that is wrong. And not just wrong, it bars me from being able to love as God calls me to love. So when something like the story of Ahmaud Arbery makes the news, if my response is to get defensive, to protect myself, I've got to deal with that. I've got to confront that. Because there's something within me that cares more about myself and, my, and how I am perceived than it does about the ongoing narrative of injustice that has been happening. Gosh, not just generation from generation, but sometimes day to day in the news. And when I say sometimes, I'm just talking about stuff that makes the news. It is happening every minute in our nation (laughs) to people that God loves, that God made in his image, that God is using in powerful ways that I am not better than. If you're listening to this in your way, like we, we have got to step back and we have got to be real with ourselves about the reality of skin color and the brokenness within our humanity that allows us to differentiate and prioritize others based on appearances. I don't know why we keep trying to trick ourselves into believing that's not an issue. And we've got to be real about how, because that's an issue that has been held by people in power, that means that it has worked its way into systems. It has worked its way into housing, the criminal justice system, banking, jobs, it, in every facet of life, because there are people that had that brokenness within them, it has been worked into every facet. And because that's happened for generations, there are long-term impacts. I sit here just a block from a community that was built around these principles of separating out those who looked different. In a community that has a long history of separating out those who looked different. In a city that became the capital of representing the belief that you should be able to enslave those who looked different. By a river that was once home to a thriving community of people who were ripped from their homes and sent away because they look different. And I benefit daily, whether I recognize it or not, because I look the norm for this nation. I am the accepted pigmentation in this nation. And until I realize that, how I benefit, and until I realize how those around me are held back, I cannot accurately understand any situation. 
I cannot actually love my neighbors if I can't see how skin color plays into interactions, both on a micro level and a macro level. I don't know what the point of this episode is. I don't know who this episode is for. I am still honestly hesitant to post this episode because this is such a difficult topic. One, because I am not an expert and I am fearful that I may have said something in this episode that was dishonoring. But two, because I have people close to me that have really risen up against me when I have raised issues around race. I've had people go so far as to question my faith when I have stood up for my neighbors who don't look like me. I don't know what this is for, but what I do know is that to remain silent is to be complicit. To remain still is to allow injustice to continue. I do not think that I'm the one to solve racism, but I can be the one to make sure that I don't perpetuate racism in my own life, in my home. I know that I can use the outlets I have to speak out against injustice, but to also recognize that my voice shouldn't be the only one going out, that there are times where I might need to be silent and share the voices of others. So I don't know who this is for. I don't want this to be something that brings attention to me. I want attention to be brought to the fact that God created every single one of us in his image. And part of his image mandated more melanin. God didn't even give his own son white skin. And yet if the image of Jesus in our mind has white skin, we might have some things to think about. As I've said over and over and over and over, and I'm not an expert, um, I still have so much to learn. But the best thing that I can communicate to you now is the reality that throughout my life, I thought I understood race. And as God reveals more and more things, as God allows me the gift of being in relationships that point out realities that I couldn't see on my own, I began to know that I didn't know what I needed to know then, and that had an impact. And I get to know that I can know more, which can allow me to more fully love my neighbor. And so if you are white, you have an opportunity to say, hey, maybe my upbringing or context or environment has kept me from seeing the full reality of how the world is working and what God intends. And I recognize that I can do something about it. Now, you may be asking me, well, what can I do about it? One Um, Think about the relationships that you have. And if everybody looks like you and has the same experiences and upbringing and context as you, then you're going to have a limited scope of the world. Now, this does not mean have token relationships. You may live in a place where it is very demographically uniform. But what I am saying is, as you have opportunity to develop relationships with people who have different experiences and cultures and upbringing than you, you are opening up yourself to experience and understand 
a more, not just full understanding of the world, but a full understanding of God. Because again, God made us all in his image and we don't all look the same. So the different people that God created in his image create different facets of a God that is bigger than we can grasp. So look at the relationships you have. Think about the relationships that you can genuinely, honorably, humbly cultivate and how you can listen. Now, that's a big thing. Position yourself to listen. There are so many books that you could read. And as you're looking for books, be mindful of who is writing the book and how that may shape the message of the book. I think there's something to be said, too, about finding opportunities to get out of your normal context, out of your comfort zones. Place yourself in spaces where you might be the minority in that space. Uh, Because at the very least, if you have always been in the majority, it causes you to recognize that there is a reality outside of the majority. And it causes you to see and experience things in a way that push back against what we think is the norm, what we think is expected, what we think we deserve, what we think we have rights to. But in all this, I think the best thing you can do is move forward in humility, knowing that you don't know everything that there is to know, that you will misunderstand things, that the brokenness within you will cause you to be able to not love as God desires you to love his creation. And walking in that humility can allow you to see things that your humanity would never let you see, hear things that your humanity would never let you hear, and respond in ways that your humanity would never let you respond. Race matters. God created us in his image, and he created us to look very different from each other. And if diversity and appearance and culture and experience mattered to him, then it should matter to us. Scripture is filled with examples of times when people knew how to honor each other well, not just despite their differences, but because their differences brought value. And many, many more examples of where the body of believers did not do it well, where they judged another because of their skin or their culture. And so this is an important topic for the church. It is not one to be dismissed. It is not one to say we have solved it. Because if we continue to dismiss this reality, we are dismissing something that is close to the heart of God. We are dismissing something that is actually barring us from being able to function as God created us to function. And we are dismissing something that is causing us to be incapable of keeping the greatest commandments to love God and love others. So if you're feeling a certain way right now, I encourage you, stop. Take a moment. Pray. Listen. Ask God what he is evoking in you right now. Ask God why it is you feel that strong emotion you feel. Write some things down. And then see what that means for the next step forward. I'm happy to continue to process this with anybody who would like to process it as I am still processing all of this myself. But God is at work, and I hope that we can listen. So with humility, ask God what he wants you to see, and then ask yourself, where did you see God?
Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, where you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of the music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?